and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. <laughs> Not just another episode, but a very special episode, and a different kind of special episode from before. Even if it sounds episode. like Zen is, you know, a, a shell of his previous self, we promise there's a good reason for it. It's because I'm gross. Well, mm. so is the episode, technically. <laughs> I know. Well, better than being a butt ton. That is true. A technical mm. measure and the best of technical measures. <laughs> right. Which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. If you're longtime fans of Seize the GM, and if you are, we thank both of you, you'll know it's about time for another GM library. So it's time for us to kind of look at what we've got on our shelves and what we think gives us something that enriches our ability to GM or inspires us in some way or another. In the doodly-doo attached to this episode, you will find links to our previous five, yes, five GM library episodes and what we covered in there. So take a look, click, listen, come back, and we will tell you what we're thinking today. This episode has been sponsored by Tabletop.land. Not sure if you want to get into making all your own full terrain sets or scatter pieces? Hmm. Not sure you want to get into that 3D printing thing that everybody's doing for your own stuff, or maybe minis for that matter even. Well, there is a new web shop that is up and coming called Tabletop.land. Go check it out and see if there's anything that tickles your fancy. Or, given the time of year it is... Maybe you could even pick up something for that GM of yours for Christmas. Wow, that was like polished and and like prepped almost. And disturbing. (laughs) Ye gods, it's like... It's true. Oh oh my god, it's like infomercial. (laughs) Well, and you two have seen me do this live. You'll know it's not me faking it. I know. (laughs) That's what's terrifying. But it's also the great part. But yeah, no, um, I I have been actually trying to, over the last like nine months or so, slowly starting to rebuild my actual physical library again because, um, yeah. You, you need to, to rebuild it. You moved. I, I moved, and prior to the that move, I when I moved down to the south, I actually got rid of most of my library at that point. So now I'm rebuilding after like 10 years. So. so you're rebuilding the books and the bookshelves, right? Um, yes, maybe. <laughs> I don't know yet. Once some bills actually... are paid off, I've got a line on some custom bookshelves that are going to be put into the house here and, and go all the way up to these 1890 ceilings. But that means nice. I need to get a rolling ladder to go with it. So yeah. Anyway, <laughs> 
<laughs> so if you do that kind of like, you know, spinning, running, you know, musical thing where you go on the ladder and it whoosh. Uh-huh. Okay, so we're going to get a video of that, and then we're going to get the video of you kind of like, ooh, I missed that one, trying to reach back, falling off, and landing on your ass. Depends on how far the Patreon's gotten at that point. (laughs) Hey, if you want to see a video of that, support us on Patreon. It'd be hilarious. Right? (laughs) Yes. Speaking of, if you think that anything that we say today or in those previous five episodes is absolutely spot on correct or we miss something or there's a book you think we should talk about next time, let us know, especially on Discord. We love to hear about what we've gotten right, what's kind of iffy, what's coming up, and what Zen got wrong. Hey. All right, all right. We'll dedicate an episode to then what I got wrong and then what you got wrong. How's that sound? You know, it's like, granted, our episodes are only going to be like five, ten minutes. Zen's going to be, we have to do like a three-parter, right? I mean, I thought I was wrong once, but I was mistaken. (laughs) (sighs) So, so, uh, no, we just... Everybody picks on me. (laughs) You make it so easy. But it's because you have all the power. You're actually like the person who hits the publish button. (laughs) It's true, I do. But before uh, we get too much further, let me tell you some of my inspirations. Let us move on to our main topic of the GM library. Okay. All right. Because I am being pushy today. You are being pushy. You get one. All right. I will start with one. The Thin Man by Dashiell Hammett. It's the last novel published by Dashiell Hammett. It is a book and story that gave rise to a media phenomenon before we could think of it in that way with movies, TV shows, and more. For a GM, it is an example of how a mystery can be structured, providing key insights into a classic mystery and whodunit tropes that Hammett mastered. It is layered under a comedy of manners, helping you understand that interaction with interesting characters especially including Nick and Nora Charles, who are icons of the genre itself and icons of the cocktail world, hence an entire glass being named after them, the Nick and Nora. Oh, While yeah, Sam's, I forgot about that. Yeah. Sam Spade may be more widely known and recognized, but Nick and Nora are more beloved for a very good reason, as is Asta if you've watched the movies. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Very well. Sorry, it's just I, I, I haven't I haven't read Dashiell Hammett in a while, and I'm just like, oh, I should go and reread it. He literally created half of the tropes that we use in whodunits to this day. Nick and Nora as the kind of fun-loving couple that happens to solve crimes while having cocktails. They, they are quite literally a, a trope and meme unto themselves and spawned radio series, TV, multiple TV series, a movie series. They, they, it literally, the thin man became arguably a larger, uh, legacy uh, of Dashiell Hammett than what Sam Spade was. Okay. Yeah. I wish I was reading more for fun than I have been lately. Yeah, same, same. I'm, I'm, I'm also, you know, a victim of that. I have been working on it though, but I'm not going to talk about that because I've got other things here. Jules, what are you going to bring us? <laughs> all right, uh, all right. Pretty much, is like I'm doing the worst case scenario survival handbook, and it's pretty much like 
everything that you might have seen in like a, a James Bond action movie. Um, it, it's pretty much it's hilarious, but practical. It's a it's hilarious, but it's practical, and it's how you subscribe in like the weirdest of circumstances. Like, how do you fight a shark? How do you deal with your parachute not opening? How do you survive an avalanche? And, and it details. You know, the science behind it, and it adds some humor into it. It has illustrations, thank God, for certain things. I'm like, I have no idea where the hell that is on our shark. Is this volume one, two, three, or the holiday special with its glittery silver cover? Now, this is this is the this is the very, very first one. This is... Uh, the OG. Oh, yeah. They, it, it's bright. It's like this bright kind of warning mustardy yellow color, and it's great. Oh, but, yeah. but the neat thing is like, it, it shows is like... Okay, you don't have to have secret agent gadgets or, you know, Bear Grylls level ultimate survival training. You know, granted, it, you're not going to be great at it, but, you know, it's like, okay, this is, it, it's written for if you're an average Joe with no kind of super duper special abilities kind of a thing. And I did kind of yeah. like that. So, you know, the cool thing about that is like if your players get into some really crazy stuff, because sometimes playing Savage Worlds, dice explode. And, uh, you know, things can really go from bad to what the heck did you do? You know, and, yeah. it's, and it's like, OK, you know what, if they can kind of sort of kind of come up with it or you might be able to be like, OK, the dice hated everybody. Uh, here's a couple of hints. So mm -hmm. it's so it's like, all right, you know what? They don't have X, Y and Z. But you know what? Hey, you know, what? that guy has foraging and that guy has like idyllic memory for you know, tracking or something like that. Hey, you know what? You might be able to pull some ideas from that and it's, it'll be helpful, but it's also reading it. You're like, you know, it's like, I probably won't have to worry about falling out of an airplane, but my players tried to ride a pterodactyl two games ago. Yeah. So, you know, you know, you can make, you can take it, make it, modify it. And also, you know, it's, it, it's worth a giggle because some, it's so absurd, but that's what games sometimes allow us to play in. So, what are you guys on? Well, I actually have the companion, one of the companion books to this uh, particular book that you were just talking about, the Action Heroes Handbook. <laughs> we selected these without even knowing what each other had done. So, just F yeah. So, this is basically like okay, take the worst case scenario, survival handbook, and then make you into an action hero. So like the movie tropes, how to do it, but they do go into the same things, like how to jump off of a moving train, how to, you know, how to fence weird things. How but to it tells turn you, an argument into a romantic interlude, if I remember correctly. I think that is me? one of them. Yeah. Oh, no, that's uh, okay. You, you're having the <laughs> argument great. fight with the, you know, your, your bond, you have the, you're having the argument with the bond girl and they yeah. end up, you know, that's a having a, a train goes, you know, into the tunnel moment. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's, it's hilarious and it's fun. And yeah, if as, as a GM, I was thinking about this and if you need your, your like villain to get away or do things to get away from PCs, use some of those things because they won't know what hit them when you're done with it. Because they're not expecting the villain to pull off, you know, like jumping off of a moving train. 
just Which jumping off of it. Not not like has a helicopter who comes and picks him up. Like no, he just jumps off of the off of the moving train. <laughs> because he knows how to do it. Because he's read the Action Heroes handbook. Especially if you left a copy laying there while he had been like flipping through it. When the when the PCs find him, there you go. So now they would have an idea of what he could potentially do. All right. That's actually a good one there. Yeah. All right, Gardemoge. What is your second choice? In politics, finding the dirt is a multi-million dollar business. My second choice is the book We're With Nobody. This is a first-hand look at political opposition research. It is an actual look at how the sausage is made and chock full of those little details that help a GM bring a whole political or intrigue story to life. It's a first-person account by former journalists and advisors to politicians with consulting firms that help you flesh out what is out there and and what kind of things actually go on legally that they can talk about for a campaign. If you are someone who likes political intrigue, who likes machinations, who likes the mysteries surrounding politicians, this is a book that will provide you an invaluable reference, not just to the craft of opposition research, which is a great thing for your players to be up to, but also the sort of things that can be uncovered. It is... A, a rare look into what was once a, a barely understood and barely recognized practice. Oh, cool. Interesting. And also since it's kind of grounded in, uh, I don't want to say like reality, reality, but the thing is like it's based on, you know, stuff here. It, it'd probably at least be a little bit more, acceptable kind of like mentally by by your players rather than dealing with kings queens princes and stuff like that well and it's also easy to kind of generalize what sort of things were discovered to that kind of intrigue i mean we're talking about why would you look at campaign finance reports and what you find in there but also what happens when you're meeting with people on a dark wharf on you know in, in questionable circumstances it goes into like I said, those small details that let you bring something to life about what these individuals learned, what they saw, what they understood to be going on. And uh, the subtitle is, you know, Two Insiders Reveal the Dark Side of American Politics, which is a very optimistic subtitle from 2012. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. Point. Yeah. Dang. That's cool, though. Especially if you are planning on doing anything that has any kind of political intrigue. Yeah, I mean, actually getting an understanding of it is exactly. kind of necessary. All of, the, all of my recommendations today are about helping the GM describe tone and, and helping them pull specifics and little things out of these reference materials to create that sense of verisimilitude. All of these are about deepening an understanding uh, through 
exceptional writing of how to describe particular kinds of scenes, the whodunits and the comedy of manners, the political intrigue and what you're looking for. And we have not gotten to my third yet. So I'm <laughs> drawn to that one because it could or could not be a surprise if you have paid attention to uh, Gardemanger's particular leanings over the years. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah. Okay. All right, Jules, what's your second one? Uh, you know, all right. In a kind of similar thing, I, I have Bach, Beethoven, and the Boys, Music History as It Ought to Be Taught. And here's the thing. It's like when you're world building, your world just didn't pop into existence um, unless, you know, that you're specifically crafted it that way. But uh, the book actually combines humor uh, and it's punny humor and it's absurd and it's just red. It's just goofy. But when you're talking a lot about uh, history and I know a lot of with music history specifically, oh, uh, when you're just reading about it and like not learning about the music, but just the events and stuff, it is probably some of the driest, most boring and just like <sighs> snooze it. But, you know, and it's just like, no, but these guys, these, these composers lived in fantastic times, you know, it, you know, not like fantasy, but it, it's the, like different wars, what was going on and, and all this. And it's, and it's presented so dry and cold and, you know, Bach, Beethoven and the boys is hilarious. And it, it shows that, okay, when you're telling history, it doesn't have to be, you know, you could be like dramatic, but it also doesn't mean you can't present it in an incredibly hilarious way. We all know Mel Brooks, History of the World, Part One. So if you imagine Comicus, the stand-up philosopher, detailing, okay, what you know, so so uh, composer did, and pulling it in just like with musical puns and and just like really really goofy. It's just like you know the anonymous person. It's like okay, who did this melody? It's anonymous. Well, I, I hope his mother's very proud, whoever she is. You know, little things like that. It's worth it and. Uh, it, it, for me, it, it kind of shows us like, okay, you can do world building, you can tell history, you can do, and it doesn't have to be this dry, dead thing. You could make it as absurd as you want with still being factually accurate, you know? Oh, sure. And I'll be honest, That's there's cool. one of the best things is like they have like little doodles in the book, and they have like one, it's, you know, you have like a, like a jester you know, performer bard kind of dude standing and you have one guy sitting at a desk, he's just like throwing a paper airplane. It's like, okay, medieval inter-office memos. I love it. It's just like little goofy <laughs> things. It's just like, okay. And you need that kind of goof, you know? And, and if you like it, you know, there's, there's other books in that, uh, you know, kind of like that library, especially the, the musician's dictionary, which my best, the thing is like, is it glissando? You know, you go like, all the way up, the musical equivalent of slipping on a banana peel. Yeah. It fits. It's right. So, yeah. you know, check it out. See, and, you know, get a little bit of a giggle and you might actually kind of, ooh, hey, that's interesting. So. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, because I you... mean, a lot of those guys, a lot of those early guys were basically the equivalent of like rock and pop stars now. Oh, gosh. Uh, Mozart, But nobody hello? sees them that way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and here's something like Tchaikovsky, he was given... It's like, okay, this is how the dance is going to go. Compose around this for the ballet. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, he did it, but he was just like, okay, you choreographer person, you're a bitch, and I'm going to make your life hell. 
Mm-hmm. And I loved it. it. It's like, it's like, ooh, malicious compliance. And you get to see them as people and, you know, as jokes. And, you know, they're, it's like just because that they're, they're big, spiffy, important people doesn't mean that we can't have a giggle. Because I'll be right. honest, I'll remember it that way. Yes. So what do you got, dude? What do you got? Okay. The Villain's Guide to Better Living. <laughs> so, Are you serious? It, uh, yeah. Oh, wait, it's, wait, there's it is, a book called The Villain's yes. Guide to Better Living? Yes, there is. And it is very tongue-in-cheek. It's very cutesy. But it also does things like how to, how to um, garner the right complexion for your villain. You know, like if you want to be, you know, the... The guy who lives in the dungeon, well, you have to stay in the dungeon a lot, so you have to be very pasty. Like, it's very tongue-in-cheek, but it also lays all of the villain tropes out in such a way that you can either look at them so that they're all right here, and then you can literally figure out how to mess with them, or mess with a few of them, or just lean all in on whatever the villain that you're trying to kind of make is. And this doesn't give you just one type of villain. It's all types of villains. Everywhere from the mastermind to the lowly henchman to, you know, the the world dominator. Like, it's it's everywhere. And, like, even, like, where you had um, in Rocky and Bullwinkle... Um, Boris and Natasha, like you have Boris and Natasha, like you have both of them because Uh it's not just a villain. It's a villain and villainess. And like they have those even in the book. Like, it's so funny. I love Boris bad enough. (laughs) Sorry, just quintessential bad guy. Perfect. Yeah. And and I mean, Boris is not bad guy. Boris is doing his best to advance proper (laughs) situation. It is unfortunate you and silly squirrel and moose get in the way. Yeah, like we must do stuff for fearless leader. (laughs) But it's it's totally in that that vein. But it's really fun. And yeah, if you can get a copy of it, I know that you can get a Kindle copy of it. So. It is worth getting, especially if you want to really be able to look at your villains, maybe not in a literal sense, but in kind of a comedic sense, and then make, like, take some of those tropes and then make them much more real. Because once you kind of have, because this is done in a very kind of cutesy sort of way. And how to be, it's kind of like the how to be a villain book. And so, you know, it's it's worth really looking at. And I guess also if you could, you can also probably take it in the opposite direction and going to the absolute absurd level. Yeah. And make, and like I said, throwing in a bit of humor, you know. Mm-hmm. You know the, because the not guy, every bad guy is, is, is the, the uber dark you know, out to kill everything. Yeah, you know, he he could just be a goofball. I mean, think about the the guy in Minions. He's kind of a goofball. He's a bad guy. He's a villain, but he's also just a goofball. 
Yeah, he's 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 Wario and Waluigi, you know. Yeah, they're bad guys, but you know, <laughs> it's, it's like Zangief. You are bad guy, but you are not bad, bad guy. guy. <laughs> Still one of the best lines. It's so yeah. good, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't uh, have to be the bad guy to be a bad guy. You could just Even. be the guy that just. You know, if you want to think about it, it's like, okay, from certain things, you could almost think Mr. Magoo is a bad guy, if you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, going, still going back to the Rocky and Bullwinkle. Sorry. <laughs> right. But, but I mean, it, it's fun. You should definitely check it out. It's, it's a lot of um, silliness. But, you know, if you look at it, you can then make it more than that. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, Gardemanger, what is your third and final book in our series? This evening, for the sixth entry of our GM's library, my third and final book is This Land is Their Land by Barbara Ehrenreich. A lot of people like to claim we currently are living in a kind of futuristic dystopia without the cool trappings. Barbara Ehrenreich has been reporting on and describing the situation on the ground for decades. She has been described as a social critic, but has this satiric and biting wit, a, a, a way with words and, and phrases that is kind of remarkable, and this underlying kernel of hope. This Land is Their Land is a collection of essays and writings rooted in observing a divided nation in the last half of the first decade of this millennium. It was published in 2008 and kind of gave a sense of description of certitude to what was going on in the blue-collar world at that time. If you want to understand the mindset of the working class with an uphill battle, unfair standards, if you want to understand an undercurrent of a disaffected population's critique, if you want to kind of put flavor on any of your cyberpunk descriptions, this land is their land is going to provide that with an unflinching eye. And it's, you know, the heaviest, the most serious of my three recommendations today, because I also think it's a really remarkable and amazing read. It followed up, uh, I'd say it followed up her book um, that came before it that was nickel and dimed. And that kind of chronicled the allure of a white-collar future and set of choices and how, in the early 2000s, companies were pulling the rug out from under people who did everything quote-unquote right, who went to the right school, who got the right degree, who, who were doing all of that, who got downsized and cut out of the life they were promised. And now, 15, 20 years later... Those books are both ones that seem prescient, and they are worth reading as humans, but also as ways to have a remarkable insight into how to describe, how to talk about, how to use that sort of disaffection in your games when that's part of what you're working with. Nice. Damn. That's the one that you have that's signed, isn't it? So one of these three I have signed. 
And we will let uh, everyone kind of guess which one it is. If you are the first one to tag me on uh, one of our appropriate Seize the GM social media with the correct answer, you get magical brownie points. I will tell Jules and uh, Zen which one is actually signed when we are off air. Okay. <laughs> we'll know All before right. you, neener, neener. Jules, would know, you like to right? guess one of the other ones, or are you going to double down on Zen's guess? Actually, I, I would actually think we're with nobody. I think you would ha- that would be the one you would have signed, but that's just me. And what is your third book with which you are going to tantalize our baker's dozen of readers? I mean, listeners. I mean, hordes of adoring public fans. <laughs> oh, like I said, I, I kind of went into this with a, a, a little bit more of reverence, so I picked The Way of the House Husband. It is probably one of the funniest mangas I have ever read. And it's the way of the house husband is the same as the way of the Yakuza. And it shows a a former Yakuza named Tatsu who was known as the immortal dragon. And he gave it all up to become a house husband. But, you know, he's a former Yakuza. So he has that scary look and he's like, give me the white powder. And it's, or oxyclean yeah you know or he's just like you know uh, or the other one he's he's growing herbs he's just like oh this is going to be the best stuff like boss lady's gonna like it or he's he's trying to get money for the organization and you realize the organization he's kind of is for the hoa or the the equivalent of the hoa yes oh my gosh it is and you find out that it's like he is like a phenomenal you know, carpenter, he he sews, he knits, he cooks, and he actually does like the whole Instagram, like taking perfect pictures of it. It is so good. It is it is phenomenal. But it and I I, I love it. It is incredibly just it's wonderful. He's like, okay, sort of fish out of water. He's making it work, but there's just like, you know, they look at it, they're like, mmm. You know, he's just like he's got he's buying a present for for his wife's birthday. And he goes up like the anime story is like, give me the goods. No eye contact. Yeah. You know, and it's great. So and you see, funny. and he's just like, Do you want a bag? And he has like this sealed, like old school type like briefcase. He's like, No, I brought my own, I brought my own uh transport. And I'm like, I'm laughing my ass off. Yeah. And but it, it's funny, but the thing is like it's it's very endearing and it's you know you, you can't oh, yeah, help but because- love the guy. Well, and you can tell how much he cares about his family, which is very important in Japanese culture. So, like, it plays into all of that, but it is it is so fun. Yeah, it, it's such a wonderful... It's like a lot of, the, like, the Yakuza tropes. Okay, well, but, okay, what if they had those exact same tropes, but, you know, you're a homemaker. And, and you see him, he, he's, you know, he's yelling at a Roomba. He's like, all right, rookie, this is your first time on my turf. And it misses something, and he's just like, "That is not you. Have to attack the corners with with a stick." And and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" And it, it shows him how he's dusting, and it's it's great, and it's it's fun, it's goofy, and like I said, it's like we all try and we we take GMing seriously, but that doesn't mean that every moment within running our games or you know has to be serious. Sometimes it could be you know one of those really goof genre genre flips and you're loving it you know so it, it's like i said it shows that 
you can world build, you can get a good feel for everything, but you don't always have to be so, you know, very serious or, or very formal. It allows you to be, you know, laughing at it. And they, they, they actually have like little side things with the, with the, with their cat, you know, and the cat goes out. Oh, the cat's adventures. Oh yeah. You know, talking to a bird is like, Hey, do you fly? Yeah. Hey, can you help me try it? No. The birds look at it. I'm like, what do you think? I am stupid. <laughs> It's great. It's so funny. So, you yep. know, it, and like I said, it, it makes you laugh and, and it, but it's wholesome. So I guess, I guess, you know, it's something we always, you know, we need in our lives. And sometimes just getting that laughter again, they can, can get you in a better mindset to even run a game. So, yeah. So what do you guys on? Yes. Take us home. <clears throat> okay. I have the Necronomicon. It's no. different than Necronomicon, which is just it Correct. eats you. That would yeah. be a cookbook or a book that eats you. This is actually the the black covered, you know, this was the actual Necronomicon that came out in the 80s. Yeah, don't use that thing like it's a real book. Um, but it's really cool for grabbing lots of crazy magical ideas out of. You know, be it for the bad guy or for just a random NPC. And the or thing is, heck, even just uh, cool symbology, old creepy scrolls. Yeah, it, it it has full of these magical sigils and incantations in the whole entire book, and even like the opening of it is just bonkers, be bonkers, and it's written as if it were a real magical tome. But it's not even close to. And like people were in the 80s were trying to like, this is how you talk to Satan. And like, it's like, dude, just please stop because that the book is is just well, a bunch of gibberish. No, it's Klatu Barata. Exactly. But that's also kind of hilarious because, you know, the whole like army of darkness, evil dead thing, that was also part of the 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 goof on it because those things were so you know, gorecore, yes. but silly. So it fits. Yeah. Now it, it has some really cool, like, I mean, like the sigils and stuff that are in it are based on other systems like Alistair of magic. Shit. Yeah. A, a lot and of stuff. I understand what they're talking about because I've read a lot of stuff like that because I do lots of weird magic things in games. So I like to have those sorts of things around. So, but like, if you start looking into it, like it's just random craziness. And if you just need to pull something out of it just to use, totally steal it because it's fun for that. It's a ridiculous thing to read, but if you read it, read it going into, this is going to be ridiculous. And we are going to have a whole lot of stealing this stuff for a weird magical group. Because you could totally do that. Yeah. And, you know, as, as the neat thing also about it is, while we know it's, it's, it's goof, it's, you know, we all know that it's not real, but it can actually give you some interesting insight into, hey, you know what, if you want to have, like, ritually magic formulation, stuff like that, you know, ooh, you know, mm -hmm. it can give you, even if you don't pull it, but it gives you, like, an interesting structure. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest, just some of the art in it is just cool-looking pictures. It's like, damn, I, yeah. I like that, you know? 
Yeah, it's full of weird shit and lots of, you know, bizarre art and cool art. And yeah, there's just, it's full of just weirdness. And even like the, uh, like actually reading it is really weird to read because it's kind of all over the place. So, yeah, and you can find that book like all over the place. There's a, a link f- I put a link for the one that I'm talking about on Amazon, so. There are, in fact, doodly-doo links to all of the books we have talked about so far in our thingamajig after the game. So, click over, look at it. My words are starting to fail me. That's not a good sign. (laughs) But we have an extra book. Do tell. I, I put an extra book at the very bottom. And it's a good one. It is. Mm-hmm. It is Consent in Gaming. And it is the Monty Cook book that came... Monty Cook book. That's... The Monty Cook, comma, book that came out a couple of years ago now. And it talks a lot about safety tools in your games. And... As a GM, you should always be using safety tools because you do not know what somebody may find offensive. And it, it actually attacks the, the whole concept of consent and what consent is in games, and gaming in particular. And it is one of those that... Every GM should read. It's very, it's short. I think it's only like 10 or 15 pages, maybe. I think it might be a little longer than that, but it's not very long. And it's free. That is a completely free to download book. So you should all have a copy of it in your library. Because it's free. Oh, and I just got to, you know, spin up a session zero for a, a new game this past week. And we used, you know, part of that book and, and the, the checklist to kind of help give everybody, especially the brand new, has ne- have never before done role-playing game people, an idea of, of what they could expect and what they could say no to. And so it's remarkably useful and something that can really only be recommended. There, there's no reason not to have this, not to read it, not to respect what it's trying to get across. Yeah. Yeah, and I am glad that you used it. It is one of those things that I had... Um, I, I've been trying to put together a, a gaming group so that I could potentially get to play at some point, and somebody locally was like, I want to run the 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 Twilight 2000 game, and I want to run it gritty and dark and, and like a real war. And I'm like, all right, cool, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what? I'm like, I, I'm not up for that. <laughs> like, I mean, I was just straight up. I said, I've got other things going on in my head that if I start playing a game like this, uh-uh. Because one of us is going to walk away. <laughs> and I'm like, I know where my boundary is. And it's, you know, he just was going to do what he was going to do, and he was going to run Twilight 2000. I'm like, you can do that, but I won't be there. Ever. And I think that 
like the fact that I was willing to do that like openly and and verbally in a Facebook group was just like everybody was like, what do you mean? I'm like, I have boundaries. And that's one of them. And they were just like, whoa, okay, cool. So, yeah, that's why you need something like this. And you should read something like this because you will find people that are just not going to do certain things in your game and they shouldn't be forced to. Because that's all about the social contract that we have as games and gamers. So, And I'm going to add that the Consent in Gaming uh, book has a bunch of other tools and resources linked in it to kind of help further that conversation about what it means to have a safe and welcoming space. And as gamers, we kind of all want more new players. So that's an important way to make sure that people who come to your table feel respected and feel welcome. Yep. So with that, I think we have our closing remarks. Did yep. you want not we it? Got our closing words. Not it. Go to Manger, what do you got? Well, since I know what you picked and I can't pick that, <laughs> I am going to recommend Teen Titans. Okay. All right. HBO Max has the Teen Titans cartoon that gave rise to their resurgence. Teen Titans Go is fun, it's amusing, it's quippy, but it works best if you know the strong characterization and narrative that came out of the Teen Titans cartoon. It, for a lot of people, defined those characters like the Justice League Unlimited did in its sphere. And so if you've got HBO Max, go watch Teen Titans. After you watch Outsiders, go watch Young Justice and Teen Titans, and make sure that the almighty algorithms record that you love these shows because that gets us more of those kinds of shows. It does. It really does. And it treated Robin with respect, which is something that I I have a deep and abiding care for. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Teen Titans was really good. Oh, God, yeah. And just it, the the acting, the writing, the characterization, even you know, even in little like kind of sillyish, but they it never failed to capitalize on characterization, and I loved yeah. it. It was so good. Yep. Yeah, it really was. Okay, Jules, what you got? Oh God, Elden Ring. I have been playing the crap out of it. And it is probably either my favorite or second favorite FromSoft game. Uh, you know, the other one being Bloodborne, of course. But the thing is, it's like, it is probably one of the coolest open world games. And to, to, to play, the thing is like, because it's open world, okay, you, you start, you know, beating your head against a boss, you can't do it. You can get on your horse and just ride around and try and explore, fight some other enemies, buy items, level up. It's, you know, try, it's like, screw it. I ain't fighting this guy. And you can go around the castle and go to another area. Um, and it is, it's like you open up the, the, 
the start like door and you get to see the starting area and is absolutely stunning. And I've actually had, it's like, okay, you know what? I can't fight anything today. Um, I, I am working to, to don the mantle of Perry God. I am very good at it, but I am not at God level yet. Give me time. But it's like, uh, I don't want to do any fights or anything. So, you know, I got on the, the horse and I just start riding around. Just, okay. I'm just picking up. Uh, I'm just identifying areas on the map, uh, looking at the area. The weather changes dynamically. It goes from day to night, and it's like it is just some of the most stunning. And sometimes it's just like, all right, you know what? Hey, I'll I'll collect supplies and or find merchants and have them pop on the map. And it is just, you know. So if I if I'm like ah, I want to stab something and it's like be all sneaky, yeah, you can do that. But sometimes it's just like the fact that if you're like, all right, I'm frustrated. You have the option to not throw the controller down. You can just get on your horsey and go, I'm going to go this way. And then you just see like like the, the creepy misty wood or, or you know, one of the blighted areas or, you know, it's like the at, or turns nighttime and the earth and the trees up and it's it's there's uh, golden leaves falling and it's just freaking stunning. And you're, you know, riding the your, your mount up and down the beach, you know, so for me, it was just more of the. You know what? I don't have to be in the I'm in a mood uh I I mean the mood to play a Soulsborne game. This is the you know what? It's like I I need to relax and you're just and the they actually have good background music for like the whole area. It's very subtle. But holy cow, it's like I, like you're dealing with a jerk at the drive-through. You know, the guy in the car before he was like throwing stuff at the, you know, it's like it made everybody's day worse. You get home, you put it on, you just oh, stunning. So well, that's cool. Uh, I've gotten a lot. Of, it is it is done. Granted, tr- Margaret the Fells, like until I figured out their pattern was a pain in my arse. But you know <laughs> what? And here's here's the thing is like and also there's a couple of little wonderful little throwback uh, patches who shows up in freaking every from soft game, which is awesome. He's there and I'm like, and it's just kind of like that. Oh, you know, he's going to betray you. But it's still kind of like an old friend because it's still kind of funny and we know it's coming and it's kind of like getting, you know, like your your favorite, your favorite kind of hot chocolate with your favorite type of toppings on it. You know, just getting that little bit. So, cool. you know, it's like and here's the other thing. If you're not if you're not wondering, it's like there's a couple of Let's Plays out there. Uh, I recommend uh, going on Playframe because it's probably the, the most family friendly and. You know, uh, there's not a lot of really cut content except for it's like, all right, I'm looking something up, you know, da, 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 da. you know, just to see if that world kind of calls to you. And if it does, you know, pick it up, see if, if your computer could run it, see if you like it. You know, it's like for me, it's just like I opened the door looking out into Limgrave, which is like your starting area. And I just stood there for like five minutes listening to the background music and just staring at everything because it was just that's stunning and it's kind of like wow that's cool i don't get a lot of that out of many games so you know nice yeah that's right. cool so so zen what do you got what what do you got <sighs> for those who know me and if you if you make me open my phone you will see i am a a, a huge moon knight fan <laughs> Woo! and no moon knight um, is awesome are you kidding me yeah well not everybody likes Moon Knight because Moon Knight has got a really weird and dark and twisted and not coherent history. Uh, not is, always. 
Yeah. True, not always, but... But usually it's, it's actually a pretty well, you know, in, in any of the incarnations, it's usually been a very well-written character. Yes. So, yeah. But the the new series, which has only just started... I On know, what? On Disney+. Plus. Ah. By the time you hear this, four of the I, six episodes... Four, yeah. Out. <laughs> and I will have watched all of them. Um, yeah, it is... It's really cool how they've done the like visuals and the presentation of the world of the Moon Knight. Like, because it's slightly different from the rest of the world in the Marvel Universe. It always has been, though. And Oscar Isaacs has gone on record saying that this was a, the most difficult role he's ever played, but also his most rewarding role he's ever played. Re- did he give her a kind of like a, a reason why behind it? And just because he had so much to do and it was so hard, he's never worked that hard for a role that he's enjoyed ever. Ah. Uh... And interesting note. His contract does not have any additional appearances, so there's right. absolutely no requirement that he survive to the end of the series. Right. Well, he no, he has to survive to the end of the series, but he doesn't have to survive past season one. If they do more than one season, we'll see. Uh, um, it could also be his tie-in to the rest of the MCU as a larger thing. But my hope is that this actually is a good enough series that it gets more than just a single season, like every other single Mm. Disney Plus. Not Mm. all of them have yet. Well, 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 that's true, because I think Loki is getting a second season. Loki is. I don't think WandaVision is. No, WandaVision is not. No, because both, well, Wanda was was good for what it was, and Winter Soldier and the Falcon was, you know, my personal opinion. Could have been much stronger if it did not have an unfortunate whole plot that was getting cut because of when it came out. Yeah, well. I think it was, yeah, anyway. Join us on Patreon to hear us debate over the various merits of different Disney Plus MCU properties. If that's what you want to hear, we will totally do a <laughs> do oh, one yeah. about that. Um, but yeah, no, Moon Knight has been awesome so far, and I am really, really excited to see where it goes, especially with the way they ended the first season, uh, the first episode. So, agreed. It was really good. So yeah, it, you've probably all seen it, or you should have all seen it because it's awesome, and we need more things that are Moon Knight because it's mm. Moon Knight is not just the magic or the the crazy actual crazy batman that marvel came up with he is an awesome character because that's the the comparison is always he's just you know marvel's version of batman and he's really not at all so Uh, so it's yeah. At some point, I'll have to I'll have to take a picture of the uh, original piece I got from 
one of the the Moon Knight artists that I got for my birthday that I have. It's awesome. I'll take a picture of it. I might even post it on Instagram. And I never post on Instagram. (laughs) So, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, it's like, I know me. I'm going to be waiting until all of them come out because I binge. Oh, no, 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 no. This one is one that works well with the... It it works well with the, the serialized comic concept so far. So... I I am the same way. I like to just watch the whole thing from beginning to end, but I I think this one is is worth watching as they come out. That kind of a slow burn? It's good. And Oscar Isaacs is playing somebody that is not mentally okay. And he's playing him as if he were not mentally okay. And that's okay. Right. Because you start seeing things and it's really interesting. The only critique that I do have is the perspective of the episode that I've seen so far. But that is for a different different topic. We'll talk about that at a different time. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please leave a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. It really does help us, and we would appreciate it greatly. Also, find us on social media because we like the attention. Social media! Yeah. It, it's we got social media! Oh, You've heard it all. Also, we could keep going, but we need to stop because otherwise it's going to be one of those really long episodes that's already, you know, pushing the edge of what we like and... You're going to see the length, and you're not going to listen to it, and the algorithm's not going to like us, and then we're going to have to pay extra demerit points through jumping jacks, and then that's not fun. I know. Oh, but also, um, by the time this comes out, I may have started the Seize the GM Twitch stream. Doing a few different random things that um, are mainly just going to be me doing things... um, either for games about gaming or things that I do with gaming. That's all I'm going to say about it because I haven't finalized everything yet, but I am working on an idea for one. So until next time, folks have fun. Play some games and don't forget to roll those dice. And we will see you all. Real, real soon. Bye. We promise he's not always that creepy. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our time. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. 
All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first. Now get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.